0: KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu.
1: Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Tuesday, October 25th inaccuracies and omissions on a state side that tracks sex abuse complaints against nursing homes. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. (music) Debit cards with inflation relief payments started going out yesterday. Millions of Californians have already received the middle-class tax refund via direct deposit. Now the Franchise Tax Board says the first batch of debit cards is being sent to people who filed their 2020 taxes with a paper form, received a Golden State stimulus payment by check last year, and whose last names start with letters A through E. Those payments should go out to everyone in that group by November 5th. The results are out for this year's state assessment tests and the scores show a drop compared to those before the pandemic. Two of three California students did not meet state math standards, and more than half did not meet English standards on state assessments taken this year. The assessment is given to students in 3rd through 8th grades and in 11th grade every spring. San Diego seen a spike in the respiratory virus, RSV, among infants. Rady Children's Hospital is reporting 300 cases just within the last couple weeks. The virus typically causes cold or flu-like symptoms, but can be serious for kids with underlying health conditions. Here's Dr. Alice Pong with Radies. If they start to have trouble breathing, if they aren't able to feed or eat, or if they start to be really lethargic, those are the signs that say you need to take your kid into the emergency room. Radies said increases started happening in the summer and our region likely hasn't peaked yet. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
2: We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
1: The California Department of Public Health's online page Chronicling complaints against nursing homes is often called the agency's transparency website. But KPBS investigative reporter Amifa Sharma's review of sexual abuse complaint tallies found inaccuracies and omissions.
2: On a February evening in 2019, a 48-year-old disabled woman had settled in her room at San Diego's Rio Vista Healthcare Center when a caregiver entered and allegedly raped her. The reported incident is documented by the California Department of Public Health under enforcement actions on its CalHealthFind website. But you have to dig deep to find it. The main complaint page describes the attack as simply Substantiated Employee-to-Resident Abuse. That CDPH page, which tallies complaints, is meant to help people find safe nursing homes, but instead KPBS found mislabeling and errors, especially in sexual abuse complaints. CDPH largely did not respond to multiple questions about how it documents the claims. Lawyer Scott Fikes, who has represented nursing home sexual assault victims, believes the inaccuracies on CDPH's complaint website are deliberate.
3: I view it as evidence that on an institutional level, the Department of Health is more concerned with obscuring actual information that suggests employees may be engaging in sexual assault than they are in accepting that reality in providing that information to the public.
2: Fikes points to the Matthew Flukiger case as an example. Flukager is a former caregiver who was convicted of multiple sex crimes against one woman and pleaded guilty to sexually assaulting two others in East County nursing homes. Yet CDPH's complaint website does not classify any of those attacks as sexual in nature. The website also listed one of the cases as unsubstantiated, even though its own licensing division confirmed the incident, and the page erroneously described Flukiger as a resident. Tony Chikatel with California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform says the mislabeling of the Flukager case is consistent with what he calls CDPH's hostile indifference toward nursing home sexual abuse. He says the errors are inconsistent with a widely held view that CDPH's complaint website is transparent.
3: If a jury convicted this person of having done this heinous thing, and it's not on the transparency website or it's very inaccurately portrayed on the transparency website, then I think we need to go back to the drawing board on what transparency means.
2: The agency's website lacks transparency in other ways. KPBS reviewed sexual abuse complaint lists for all 84 nursing homes in San Diego County on CDPH's website. From 2019 through September 10th, 2022, state regulators substantiated at least 24 sexual abuse cases at 18 local nursing homes. But the watchdog did not cite nursing homes with deficiencies in a majority of those cases. No deficiencies means no details are made public. San Diego patient safety advocate, Marion Hollingsworth said, the ultimate effect is no accountability. This
1: sends a message to the facility that no matter what they do, they're gonna be
2: just fine. There's more. CDPH often does not identify on its complaint website whether an accused perpetrator of sexual abuse at nursing homes is an employee or resident. CDPH did respond to this issue in an email, saying, quote, the allegation category does not differentiate between types of alleged abusers, as all cases of abuse are prioritized under the same level of severity. But Chickatel argues the roles of accused abusers matter.
3: Resident on resident, that's terrible. It should never happen. But it's usually a flash event, whereas staff on resident sexual abuse is usually more sustained.
2: He says it's also more predatory and damning of a nursing home's quality of care. Amitha Sharma, KPBS News.
1: Just about two weeks until the November midterm elections, and there is an aggressive outreach to students on college campuses. KPBS education reporter MG Perez has more.
2: Only about 20% of students at UC San Diego are registered to vote on Election Day. Student government leaders are working to improve that statistic and educate their classmates in the home stretch to November 8th. Daniel Soria is a UCSD student associate vice president.
3: We're trying to bridge the gap between student political initiatives and those addressed by our politicians here in the Greater San Diego area. We're also trying to make sure that UCSD students know who's running for office in the districts they live
2: in. Across the county, the number of mail-in ballots is down. The Registrar of Voters reports 148,000 ballots have been received so far. Compared to more than half a million ballots, two weeks before the 2021 recall election. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Speaking of district
1: elections, San Diego City Council District 2 is among the more competitive races on the November ballot. The district covers Claremont, Mission Beach, and Point Loma. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen looks at what's at stake in the district.
3: For the past four years, retired physician Jen Campbell has represented District 2. Among her accomplishments are regulations for Airbnbs and the larger market of short-term home rentals.
2: We will close the chapter
1: on the unregulated market that has vexed our city, our residents, and the good faith hosts who wanted a clear set of guidelines to follow.
3: That was Campbell speaking at a council meeting last May. Her willingness to take on controversial issues has earned her some enemies. Her primary race was the most crowded on the city ballot. And while she came in first, she won less than 30% of the vote.
4: I don't feel that this district has a voice at City Hall.
3: Campbell's opponent is dentist and educator Linda Lucas, who says Campbell has been inaccessible to her constituents. Lucas also says, says public safety has gotten worse and the city should be giving more money to the police department.
4: We have to make sure they're fully funded. We have to support them. We have to staff them.
3: Still, it's Campbell who's endorsed by the Police Officers Union, a sign of the support she's built among City Hall institutions and interest groups. Lucas is the only candidate in San Diego who's endorsed by the county's Republican Party. Her performance in November will be seen as a test for the GOP brand in the post Trump era. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News.
1: Coming up, Dia de los Muertos celebrations have begun across the county. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at CandlewoodArtsFestival.org.
1: Dia de los Muertos, o so Day of the Dead, is around the corner and celebrations are kicking off around the county. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne gives us a look at the festivities in Oceanside. Oceanside welcomed visitors to their 21st annual Dia de los Muertos Festival on Sunday. Lowriders popped their trunks to display Dia de los Muertos altars that celebrate the lives of loved ones who have passed.
4: A lot of the things that we put in there is the things that they, they, lo- they love to eat, the, you know, uh, the music they like to hear, the artists they like while they're still alive, the things they like to drink.
1: That was Manuel Navarro, the president of the Por
4: Siempre Car Club. It's a good thing that we're doing this because it's an old Mexican tradition and all the new generation is gaining from all this because they hadn't seen any of this before. Day of the Dead
1: is traditionally celebrated on November 1st and 2nd, but some regions include celebrations on October 31st through November 6th. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Multiple local sports teams in playoffs brought San Diego sports fans to a frenzy over the past few weeks. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says even with the recent eliminations, most fans are happy and are looking forward to the future.
3: What a ride it's been as a sports fan in San Diego. The Padres, Wave FC and San Diego Loyal were all in playoff runs at the same time. But on Sunday, those stories came to a close without a championship. Even with the losses, local baseball and soccer fans say there's a lot to be happy about, including Padres superfan Ryan Cohen. I was born in 2000, so I've literally never seen anything like this. And to be in the ballpark with, it felt like 45,000 versions of myself just going nuts and jumping off the wall. And while San Diego baseball and soccer fans will have to wait for more action until next spring, the region's hockey team, the San Diego Goals, is starting their season along with many of the county's collegiate sports teams. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News.
1: Asian Story Theatre is partnering with two other companies to present a new musical called Not Working in three intimate theater spaces. The show looks at the impact COVID and the pandemic has had on people. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with Asian Story Theatre co-founder Kent Brisby and performer Annabelle Ramos about creating Not Working.
2: For this new production, Not Working, you are partnering with two other theatre companies in town. So talk about that collaboration.
1: So Bill Virtus
0: with Teatro Mascara Magica and Reese Green with San Diego Black Ensemble and Ginger Lily Lowe from Asian Story Theatre. One of the things that all three companies have done is produce original uh, and develop original stories, original plays. So um, using contacts that we've worked with in the past for writing and uh, developing music, we kind of hatched this idea of producing a, a a musical that would incorporate feedback and perspectives from all three companies, uh, the people that we worked with. So the uh, what happened is each of the companies reached out to those artists or composers or writers and asked about stories, particularly stories that were unique or particular to their communities, their experiences with COVID, their reactions to it, the consequences of COVID, and, and used that as a basis for stories, narratives, and songs that were developed. The, I mean, the, the other reality is this is two, it over two years ago. Nobody knew <laughs> where we're going. Everybody's in their own uh, tunnel here at this point. So we did want to, to explore uh, putting this together into a little bit different context. We wanted a, a, a single story. So it's not just a review because we thought that collectively there's some value to uh, providing a perspective that integrates the experiences in ways that we are all, ways that we all share. And that is uh, how we got from the original idea basically to the script of not working.
2: And Belle, you are performing in this, so talk a little bit about the particular role you have.
4: I think I'm I'm quoting verbatim what Mr. Brisby wrote in the script, Um, but Anka is a presocious 18 year old girl. Uh, She's the daughter of an immigrant, Um, no distinctive, I think area of origin. I think we were trying to keep that a bit vague, but um, her father was deported. And so she comes into this musical with something to prove essentially that America's not that great. And she's just determined to, I think, salvage some of that lost pride that came from her father being deported. And how does it feel to be part of a project like this? It's very exciting. It's a new experience for me. Uh, I only recently got into acting um, here at Southwestern. I've done a couple productions and um, my director sent me the casting call for not working. And the reason that he thought of me is because um, they were calling for a singer-songwriter. And it's not something that you get to incorporate much in theater. I think a lot of the times it's a lot of the director telling the actor, do this, do that. There's not a lot of the creative outlet happening when it comes to this side of the process. So getting to be involved in also creating what we're performing, it gives you a new sense of uh, creative freedom that I think makes you more invested in the story and um, offers another piece of your soul for the audience to see. It's more personable, it's more relatable, and hopefully that authenticity shines through. And where will you be performing this?
0: We are going to do a week in the new space in San Ysidro, which is the home base for Teatro Masca de Magica for uh, the next few years anyway. That's the plan. It'll be in residence at the El Salón Theater in San Isidro. We will do a second week at Diversionary Theatre Space. And the third week, we are partnering with the Chula Vista Library. There's a a program that the city of Chula Vista initiated called Create Chula Vista, and it's designed to subsidize bringing arts programming into the city.
1: That was Kent Brisby and Annabelle Ramos speaking with KPBS's Beth Acamando. Not Working debuts Friday at the new El Salón Theatre in San Ysidro. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day.